So I'm going to speak about the year and now. The year and now. So um, the it's going to come up now. So there's the I recently spoke to a, a a pastor and he was counseling someone and he was just basically we chatted and he shared about his experience with counseling this couple. And um, this is just a bit of the story of this guy. And I think there's a lot of things that many of us might relate in or might not feel. But you might have walked with people and you can pick up some similarities. And um, this guy, there's some, he wasn't, he, well, yeah, there's, there's definitely some things that he could have done better and, and maybe not the, the greatest guy. So just for the sake of this exercise, we'll call him Lewis. Um, yeah? <laughs> Lewis Harrington. Um, because he was a bit of a problem guy. Um, <laughs> so we'll work with, with that. Um, so Lewis, he knew the scripture. He was able to speak about apologetics. He was very well versed in theology. He had a whole library of, a true story, a whole library of Bible commentaries. So he could really break open the word. He was a gifted communicator. Um, and when people saw him in church, it was just, you were drawn to the guy, because the guy knew the word, and um, he was able to communicate well. So there's something about him that was absolutely wonderful and very attractive. But as this pastor sat with this couple, they came to him for, for marriage counseling, and he wasn't sure what was wrong, because this guy just sounded and looked wonderful. They looked like the perfect couple, yet something was wrong with their marriage. And after chatting and, and diving in a bit deeper... He realized that their marriage had problems from day one. There was just a struggle in their relationship. This guy, Lewis, was quite distant from his grown-up children as well. So even in their relationship, there was something amiss. They've been in four different churches over the three decades. And every time there was something wrong with the church, it was never something with them. Um, he had this deep drivenness inside of him to really perform in his work and to, be, and to be great. But that wasn't rooted in a desire for faithfulness. That was rooted in trying to impress his father, whose approval he never got. And the problem is, his father already passed away, and yet his relationships with those living struggled because he was still driven by this need to impress his father that was no longer there. And that just tore a wedge in their relationship. Above everything else, he was a Blue Bull supporter as well. Um, <laughs> he spent a lot of time dealing with his own problems. And because of that, he didn't have time to help others. Because it was all the problems that he had in his life. So you look at the story, his wife just got more and more frustrated and became quite cynical. Because if she would hurt, they would use him in church to share a message or to preach or do a teaching. It would make her upset deep down because she sees a different person at home than a person at the church. And I listened to the story, and though there's similarities, and there's definitely, as I listened to this, I realized there's something amiss in the story. This guy is a, a huge gap between the power and the truth of the gospel and his reality. He's, he's not bringing that in. It's not affecting, the gospel truth isn't affecting his life. 
And as I walked with people, I sometimes realize, I've sat many times and realized that there's a massive gap between the gospel, transformational truth of the gospel, and the person's life. And we need to try and get that gap close and actually diminish that gap, where we get the gospel to touch us and transform us. Um, Because the gospel is relevant for the here and now as well. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We can go on to the next one. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep this, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. But whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And for the next while, I want us to preach and and to dive on in this text, because I feel there's keys for us here to make that gap smaller. Because we've got to stand every single one of us sitting here. The gospel is relevant for our life now. I think we understand that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's the good news that saved us. And the moment I bowed my knees and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I became a new creation. And we've got that settled. And we understand that because of this gospel, I'm going to spend eternity with Him. So we know that this gospel, this truth, Jesus Christ, saved me into eternity as well. So we understand that there's a past element to the gospel. We understand that there's a future element to the gospel. But we sometimes miss that there's a year and now element to the gospel as well. And in my daily life, every aspect of my life, the gospel is relevant. The gospel is relevant for the Ukraine Christian, stressed up, worrying about their future. The gospel is relevant for that Christian. The gospel is relevant to the Russian Christian that's wondering what is going on in this country of ours. And in turmoil with what's going on, the gospel is relevant for that Christian. The gospel is relevant for the mom who can barely sleep with a newborn baby. Trying to figure out how to do church and life. The gospel is relevant for the mom. The gospel is relevant for the teenage children sitting here. The gospel is relevant for the dad stressed up. How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to make sure that we get through this year? The gospel is relevant for that dad. For every single one of us, in every circumstances, the gospel is relevant. The gospel is relevant. What is the gospel? It's the good news of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. There's an element of justification where God instantly makes us a new creation. There's a glorification. One day when He comes again, we will receive new bodies and we'll spend eternity with Him. But there's a sanctification part, which is the process of God making us more like Him, more holy. And we sometimes miss that part. Because that just doesn't happen overnight. That one is a process where we get to allow God to come and transform us. If we go to the next slide... The ESV, I love the way they put it. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is a powerful scripture because it says that God has given us all things. The NIV says He's giving everything that we need 
By His divine power, He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. So some people say when they interpret the scripture, they say it speaks about eternal life, that God hasn't given us everything for eternal life. But if you look in context of this passage, if you look in context of this book, and if you just look at the next verse, it speaks about the here and now, for life and godliness. Godliness is not something past and future. It's now. It's living a godly life until He comes. I can't do it in my own strength. I can do it by His power. And He has a wonderful promise that He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness, for the year and now. I think it's sometimes easy to understand this fact that the gospel is relevant to my life when I'm in need. Or when there's something going on, there's an illness or there's an area of need in my life. But I want to tell you, irrespective if you feel your life is settled, if you're in need, if you feel that you're in the best place you've ever been, if you feel like your life is tracking well, irrespective of which spectrum you're on, all of us, you can go to the next line, John, all of us is in great need of the gospel. All of us. Because yeah. we are mere human beings. And he's perfect. We're not perfect. We need Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me, with apart from you, you can do nothing. And we've got to settle this thing, that irrespective of where I find myself, I am in need of Jesus. The next verse, it says, you can quickly go back to the previous one, John. Um, through life, uh, previous one. The Bible verse. Uh, He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted us his precious and very great promises, so that we may become partakers. Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desire. Because he's given us everything, he's made us partakers. Partakers need to partake. <laughs> Otherwise you'll miss out on what he has. And today it's a call for us to partake of His divine nature, of everything that He's given. That blows my mind that He's given us everything. He basically made sure that we have no excuse. Isn't He wonderful? It's like, I, I want you to live holy. I want you to be my representation here on earth. But I know you can't do it. So this time around, because of the work, finished work of Jesus Christ, I'll make sure I'll give you everything that you need to do it. In the past I gave you the law to show you that you can't. Now I'll give you everything that you need to do it. The gospel is relevant to every situation, my year and now. So I want to ask these couple of questions, and I just want you for a moment to reflect on this. What difference does the gospel make in the year and now in your life? What difference does the gospel make in the year and now in your life? How does it help me as a father, as a husband, as a worker or a member of the body of Christ? How does it help me respond to a difficult decision or a situation? How does the gospel give me a sense of meaning, purpose, and identity? And how does the gospel motivate me to minister to others? See, the gospel is relevant in every area. And as partakers, we need to make sure that we take, take it and make sure we make that gap small. Because the problem is not with the gospel. It's rather with the gap between us and the gospel. It's rather the, the issue is the gap between our year and now and the gospel. The issue is the gap between the gospel truth and our opinions, our ideas, our life in the year and now. 
So we don't, we shouldn't just mind the gap, we should actually do something about the gap. I don't know about you, but we've had a, living, a spare room, we just got married and we got a spare room, or had a spare room in the flat, and the idea was to host people. It soon became a storeroom, because there was space. And then we moved, and then we had a new room, and then we said we're going to do this in this room, we're going to become a study. And then a take-a-lock box comes, and a take-a-lock box goes in there. And then there's a bicycle that you don't want to get wet, and it goes in the room. And then you get back from holiday, and you're going to run to the next meeting, and there's people coming over. So you know you're not going to have time to put it at this proper place. You just move it into the room. And a couple of months later, you open your spare room, and you're like, oh, no. The gap has been filled. <laughs> Things about gaps, gaps get filled. Gaps get filled. And so if there's a, a gap between the gospel and our year and now, the question is, what does that gap get filled with if it's not the gospel? If my life is not being transformed daily by beholding Him and partaking in His divine nature, then something else is filling that gap. And that's maybe why I struggle year in the year and now. I think sometimes the the, just the chaos of our lives and the demands and the siren call of success and the, all the media calling for things and, and just all these things causes us to fill this gap with other things apart from the gospel. Um, David Tripp said the following. He wrote the book, How People Change. Did we lose it? Oh, there we go. People need to see that the gospel belongs in the workplace, their kitchen, their school, their bedroom, their backyard and their car. And I know to some degree it's a simple message today, but I feel it's a key message that we've sometimes, we've neglected. And if we can get this right and be people that partake in His divine nature, our evangelism will look different. Our parenting would look different. Our faithfulness would look different. So there is a gap. And this gap gets filled. And I want to highlight three gap fillers. And all three of these gap fillers has a truth, kingdom truth component that we can fill that gap with, or just a normal life, the year and now situation that fills that. And I want to look at these three things and help us identify areas that we've maybe filled the gap with that's not Him. We, may, we maybe have partake, partook of something else other than His divine nature. So the first thing is... The person, our identity. Identity. John, you can go to the next one. Okay, so the first gap filler is identity or person. Just so that we can keep it all peace. Our identity must be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Not in what has happened to us. Not in who am I in the here and now. My identity must be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And if it's not... I struggle, like Lewis, the example here. He struggled with things because his identity was rooted in his knowledge, in his performance, in his career. And there was a problem because that couldn't sustain him. Because he was partaking of an empty well and not of the divine nature. He didn't lay hold of everything that God has given him for life and godliness. He relied on other things. So your work status, your performance, your personality. I want to say this, your personality shouldn't define what you do. The gospel should define 
who we are. The person of Jesus Christ should define who we are. That's why an introvert can stand up here and testify and lead people in worship. That's why an extrovert can sit down with someone and just weep. Because our identity profile shouldn't determine what we do. We should allow the gospel to transform us. We should allow Jesus Christ to transform us. We should allow the Holy Spirit to come and wash us so that we can become like Him. Jesus was both introvert and extrovert. It helps us to understand how we react to situations and how we are in relationships, but it shouldn't define us. We can't say, ah, oh, I'm an introvert, so I struggle with worship. That's nonsense. That's a cop-out. I worship the way Jesus wants me to worship. And if that means I've got to dance with a chair on my head, then I'll get more undignified because my identity is not rooted in my preference or my personality type. I want to say this, there's so much in the world and, and Christian music and teaching about our identity and it says things like, you're enough, you're worthy. I want to say we are not worthy and we are not enough. I want to settle this thing once and for all. We are not worthy. I know sometimes we say that because we want to come into the presence of God and, and we've messed up and so like, am I worthy to come into the presence of God? That's, that's a, a misfocus. To, to weigh up, am I worthy to come into His presence or not? Because it's not about me. I can come into His presence because He tore that veil. Because His work was enough. And I sometimes mess up, but then the question isn't if I'm worthy or not. The question is, Jesus, did you die for my sin? You have. So because of that sacrifice, I will run, not because I feel I've done anything of worth, but because you've done the ultimate act. And that's why I'll run. Even though I don't feel I deserve it, but that's grace. But we're losing the, the wonder of grace because we're enough and we're worthy. And this focus should be off ourselves. I, 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 want, I wanted to write here, we can come because I, I, I can come. What did I want to write? My, my worth is Jesus in me. And then I realized that's also wrong. Because the focus is still what's my worth. Even though the focus is Jesus in me, that's irrelevant. He's worthy. And that's why I come. See the focus there? I listened to a worship song the other day and they sang about um, Jireh, Jesus, you're more than enough. In every circumstance, I'll praise you because you're more than enough. And I thought, that's powerful. I love that song. I just love it. And then they went into free worship. And then they sang this line. I am enough because you are enough. And I thought, oh, near. <laughs> oh, near. Is that, is that, because that's a culture of the world that we've accepted into Christendom. Because he's enough, now I'm enough. That misses the point. He's enough, irrespective of me. He's enough. And we've got to understand that my identity must be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Not my experiences, not my, not my status. Not what has happened to me in the past. I'm going to encourage you, what has happened to you in the past, good or bad, that does not define you. And those things can become gap fillers. And by the time we want to serve Jesus, we open the door and there's all this baggage here. And you wonder why there's so much baggage. It's because you've become, you've made something that has happened to you, your friend. Where God actually wants to set you free of that. Because that's the good news of the gospel. Is that God sets me free. 
God sets me free from the pain something has caused me. From the pain, because sin came into the world, and with sin, a lot of nonsense and rubbish and heartache and pain came with it. But now because of Jesus Christ, because of this wonderful good news of Jesus Christ, I now can partake of Him. And if I face the pain and the, the anguish and the heartache of things that has happened here, I can walk in freedom because of Him. Amen. <laughs> this is good. So that's the first gap filler. The second one is the provision of God. The provision of God. It says that He's given us every spiritual blessing, everything that we need for life and godliness. The focus is on His provision. The thing is, all of us draw from something. We need to make sure that we draw from the well of His divine nature and not the well of our ambition. Not the well of our family or our financial security. Some of us feel that we sense of security because of our financial situation is secure. There's nothing wrong to make sure that you are financially secure. But if that is a source of provision for you to feel secure, that's wrong. You've, you've partook of the wrong nature. You haven't partook of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. He should be our source of security. He should be our source of hope. He should be the, like the, the... Immediately when I read that scripture, I thought of you know, those cartoons where the cartoon character comes and then he's got this tiny little bag and then he needs a chainsaw and he opens the bag and then he takes out a ladder and he takes out a, a car and he takes out a house and then eventually he gets this chainsaw and you think, how did all of those little things come into that little bag? Jesus has given us every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. We need to make sure we draw from that source. It will cause us a lot of heartache. No, it will cause us freedom from a lot of heartache. <laughs> freedom from a lot of heartache. It will help us to walk in freedom if we draw from His well, His nature. My doing, because I want us to understand that later on in that scripture it says, add to your faith this and add to your faith that. All that work and that doing must be built upon a drawing from Him. That's, that's the first point of call. I've got to learn to partake and draw from Him. And from that place, I do. Many times I hear people and they say, no, I'm trying to get free in this area, so I've put this in place, and I'm abstaining from that, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, I'm reading Scripture, and I'm, I'm reading Scripture to become free, but that's missing the point, because you should read Scripture to partake of Him. Resist the devil. But what's the first thing? Submit to God and resist the devil. We've got to make sure that we build upon the wrong foundation. And our effort is not the right source to, provide, to, to draw from. It's partaking of him. And from that place, I do. We shouldn't stop the doing. We just need to make sure that we draw from the right source before we do. I can pray hours to find freedom, but my, my praying is not to find him. I'm missing the point. I'm drawing from the wrong source. And so I pray to find Him, and from that place I put things in place. Abide in me. <laughs> Abide in me. From apart from me you can do nothing. Not even fight your areas of weaknesses. Not even be holy. Not even serve well. I want to tell you, the times that I draw from this well of Jesus Christ, it's much easier to serve others. It's much easier to serve you. It's much easier to handle difficult situations. I've got to draw from the right source. Sometimes we, 
we suffer from a gospel amnesia and we forget to draw from this. So we carry on with our lives and, and we just do things and then suddenly we realize, why is things so difficult? Why am I struggling so much? I think we've forgotten about the gospel. Forgotten about the transforming power, the access that we have in Jesus Christ. When it says that he's given us everything and he's given himself, he's given us great promises, he's given us his nature to partake of, you've got to understand that it's an infinitely great God that said that. God without boundaries, a God without limits. And so that's a rich well to draw from. So first and foremost, we should draw from him before we fight, before we do. Um, Paul speaks about say no, stay away. But all of that is secondary to a primary focus of pursuing him. Does that make sense? Thanks, Sherman. The third gap filler, the third gap filler is process. It's process. We've got to understand that with the gospel, there comes a process where I'm becoming more like Jesus Christ. And in this world, we go through various things. Andrew spoke about trials, and we touched and we wrestled through that one a bit. But we all face trials on this side of the earth. We're not perfect yet, so God is using circumstances to make us more like Jesus. But the thing with our human nature, we want things quickly. And if we don't understand that there's a process component here, we try and get the process done quicker. And in doing so, we fill the gap with other things than Him. We try and figure out a way. You know, Abram and, I, um, Abram and um, what was his wife's name? Sarah, they got a promise that they will have a son in an old age. They became impatient. And he told his, um, she told Abram, go sleep with my servant. And she bore him a child. And because God was faithful to his promises, they believed, they believed um, his name was Ishmael. That's where the Muslim faith came from. And so God was faithful to his promise that his seed will become a great nation. But that seed was because they weren't patient in God's process. And up until this day, 6,000 years later, that seed is still opposing the other seed. Our efforts war against the very promises of God. Our promises, our efforts to, to speed up the processes that God has us in, to act in our own strength to make something work out, those efforts, that fruit of that, wars against the promises and purposes of God. When God has you in your process, I've heard people say, why is this happening? We don't understand. Is God angry at us? No, I think God is just calling you to be at his feet and to partake of him. And we've got to understand that there's a process component where God is molding us and shaping us. And we've got to be patient in those promises. And in our patience, partake. And not try and fix up something. Or get this, the, the, the solution quickly. Because in doing so, we'll fill up that gap and it will cause us to have a lot of baggage. Sometimes our despondence causes us to fill that gap quickly. I heard someone say that God is not working in us for our comfort or ease. He's working in us for our growth. In the process... We're trying to bring the gospel closer into our lives, into the year and now. We should not look for solutions, but we should look for Him. That's our ultimate aim. Sometimes there's just practical things that you've got to address in your life. I'm not saying 
be lazy. But sometimes when we don't see something work out, we just got to rest in God and pursue Him and remain obedient to Him. I feel that's something that's, that is key for this, is that it's got to be obedience to the gospel truth, to Him. So we want to partake of Him, but in the partaking, we've got to yield to Him. I just want to read, John, you don't have to go there. I just want to read verse 3 and 4 again. He is divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He's granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may partake of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world. So God has given us Himself, He's given us great promises, and one of those promises is the promise of the Holy Spirit that is now with us, our Paracletus. And I want to encourage us practically, how we make sure we f- make this gap shorter, and as we, as we face the various gap fillers, we make sure that we partake of Him rather than putting something else there. But one of the ways we can make this gap and close it is to learn how to walk in step with the Spirit and to cry out regularly to Him to say, help. Help. He's the helper, the paracletos. We've got to learn to cry out, help me, help me. So one of His promises is the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage us, cry out to Him. He's walking alongside you. And then secondly, it's a word that came out a lot as I shared it. It's the word abide. 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 I want to read that scripture in John 15. Alden, um, John, just skip that image. I want to come back to that. John 15. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No, bear, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you now remain in my love. This is how we bear much fruit to the Father's glory, by abiding and making sure we partake of Him in the year and now. We partake of Him in the year and now. To be in Christ is, is not being a tool in a toolbox. A tool in a toolbox just lie there. But to be in Christ is to be a branch in the vine and you constantly draw from Him. I think we don't always draw from Him. I think we're tools in a toolbox and we're lying in Him but we are not partaking of Him. And when we partake, it's all this effort so that we actually can feel better of ourselves. You can show the picture now, Jean. I don't know if any of you recall this. For the young people, that was 30 minutes before you can go on the internet. (laughs) You had to plug in your telephone, and that's a day before cell phones, really, where you wanted to phone your friend. And you phone your friend on the landline and they don't answer. There's no, it's, it's, it's beset. What's it? It's, it's busy. And you get to school and it's like, why didn't you answer when I phoned? What's happening? Oh no, we were in the internet. 
because you had to plug out your phone to plug in the internet. And then you had to wait 30 minutes for the thing to dial up. And it was all this effort to find a connection. Many of us live like this. We dial up plugs and leads and we try all the effort to get to him. And it's every now and then and we can't say constant because we're actually busy on another line. Now we've got Wi-Fi and fiber. <laughs> and the house is fiber ready. Jesus already died. We're now in Christ. We're fiber ready. We're, the connection is ready there. We connect once. And then we constantly got to draw from the source. So my phone, if I walk into my house, my phone is already connected. And it's immediately drawing. Because it secured that connection. And now it's constantly drawing from that connection. We should not be a landline phone trying to dial up. We should understand that in Christ, we've got a connection and we constantly got to draw from Him. Constantly. Partakers. Partake. Lay, lay hold of. The big theological word for this is appropriate. We appropriate what we have in Jesus Christ. We lay hold of. We partake of everything that we have in Him. And in doing so, we make that gap smaller. And when we look at Lewis's life in this story, we look at it and we see there's a gap. Let's make sure that our lives don't testify of a gap. But let's make sure our lives testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's just quickly close our eyes. Jock, if you can just play. And I just want to pray for us. And, and um, So what I want you to do now is I want you, just in a brief moment, while the music is playing, I want you to speak to the Lord. And I really want you to do that. I don't want you to just zone out now. A couple of minutes more, and I want you to engage with the Lord. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that I've put in the gap that's causing me to have a weak connection? Is there baggage that I'm carrying here that I shouldn't be carrying? Have I neglected you? Have I partake? partook of other things other than your divine nature. And if the Lord shows you something, I want you to take that thing and I want you to deal with that this afternoon. I'm not going to call out a response. I want you to hear to the Lord and say, Lord, allow the Lord to speak to every one of us. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Because all of us are in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the year and now. Every single one of you. So you might think you don't need him. I want to tell you now, that's the very thing that you need to repent of, deception. Because you need Him. You need Him now, in the year and now. You need Him. So ask the Lord, what is that area? What is that area? What's that box? What's that thing that's in the gap there that shouldn't be there? Ask the Lord. And then I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what should I do with this? What should I do with this thing? Should I repent? Should I go speak to someone? Should I go ask for prayer? What should I do with it? Don't wait for tomorrow morning's devotional time right now. Just ask the Lord, what should I do with it? The Lord says, repent, repent of it. If the Lord says, go make right, I want you to go make right. Repentance starts with a confession now and then a change of action. Some of you maybe have drawn from a different source than him. So finances have given you some sense of security. 
your career has given you some sense of security. You maybe realize that you're driving your children to perform and succeed, but actually that's rooted not in a love for them, but in a desire to see them perform so that you can feel satisfied. And those little things can cause a disconnect. So Lord, I thank you that you're able to speak to us and show us areas where things have, where these things have caused a, a gap in the distance. And, and we want to deal with those things this afternoon. We want to give them to you, Lord. We want to make sure that we make that gap small in the here and now, where we partake of your divine nature, Lord. Lord, I pray that this would be true of us this afternoon. That this wouldn't just be a sermon and it's, we forget about it and we carry on with our lives. But I pray that there'd be a sense of we purpose in our hearts from this day to partake. Can you do that? Do you want to do that? Just, just not for me, but to the Lord. Say, Lord, I purpose in my heart to partake. I purpose in my heart to pursue you. I want to draw a line in the sand and I want to partake of your divine nature. I want my identity to be rooted in you. I want you to be my source of provision and I'll live and i do everything from that place built upon drawing from you. And I want to make sure in every process, everything I face, that I run to you, I wait on you, I obey you and not find a quick fix. So Lord, may we be a people abiding in you. Help us, Holy Spirit, remind us like, like Andrew Mary walked along the road and for a brief moment he couldn't feel your presence. I pray that that would be the case for us as we in the kitchen getting ready for school and, and there's various things that we do. There's a moment that we feel I'm not connected. That we just quickly connect. That we just connect. And that we learn now over the next couple of days and weeks to be a people that truly abide in you. We want to be a fruit for your glory, Father. That's our desire, Lord. That's our desire. But we know it won't just remain just yeah, we'll have to apply ourselves to help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Remind us. Show us. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, I pray for everyone here. Make your face to shine upon them. May they continue to walk in you and remain in your love. May they abide in you. May we experience the continual fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The continual fellowship for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.